Welcome one and all. This is Robert Rogers, and you've just connected with Parkinson's Recovery. If you were unable to participate in the Parkinson's Recovery Summit in Vancouver, Washington, you missed an historic and an awesome event. I'll be posting information and videos about the wonderful happenings and experiences from the summit on the Parkinson's Recovery blog. Be sure to look on the blog for some stunning videos of what actually happened at the summit. My guest today is Howard Shifke, who has an incredible story to report himself about being able to fully and completely recover from having experienced virtually all of the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. My guest today is Howard Shifke, who has had Parkinson's disease in a, um, uh, who confronted Parkinson's disease uh, uh, some time ago, and has confronted this in a way that's quite different from most people with quite remarkable results. Howard, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you very much, uh, Robert. I, I really appreciate the uh, opportunity and um, and also appreciate the work that you do on behalf of Parkinson's sufferers. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How long has it been since you recovered from Parkinson's disease? Uh, Robert, uh, last June, on June 12th, um, is the last time that I had any Parkinson's symptoms. Uh, the symptoms had uh, started the previous uh, September, um, the ones that were recognizable to me. And um, in August, a uh, couple of months after I realized that I no longer had symptoms, it was time for my six-month follow-up visit with my neurologist. And um, as he exclaimed at, at the end of our visit, much to his surprise, after putting me through all of his tests, he was unable to detect a single Parkinson's symptom as well. You are then symptom-free today. Completely symptom-free, as, as I have been since uh, June 12, uh, 2010, so about eight months. When is it that you realized you might have Parkinson's, and what did you do in response? In 2009, in September, um, I was sitting at my desk doing some work, and I started to feel like my entire body was shaking. And um, I looked down at my arms, which were then on the armrests of my chair, and I noticed that there was no movement at all. However, um, I felt this tremendous uh, tremoring inside. So um, being as I was sitting at my desk at my computer, I opened up Google and typed in internal tremors, and um, everything that came up uh, was related to Parkinson's disease. And I started uh, first thinking, well, this can't be right. Um, my, my mother had Parkinson's disease, and, and she passed away in... Uh, February of uh, 2007, and so 
you know, Parkinson's was a little bit in the back of my mind, but it certainly was not in the foreground at the time. And so I kind of went from article to article reviewing uh, specifically what people uh, who wrote the articles were saying the symptoms of Parkinson's disease were. And, of course, as I reached an article and I'd read four symptoms, um, all of which I would then reflect a bit and realize I had, I'd say, well, this article must be incorrect. <laughs> right. Um, you, know, you know, you know the story. Denial I, runs I, deep. <laughs> it, it does. And so article after article after article um, of what I felt were probably incorrect people, I, I reached one that not only had uh, listed the main symptoms, but also listed what they considered to be um, smaller or lesser-known um, potential symptoms, and it was a list of about 15 items, and I had to be honest with myself as I, as I went down that list, I, I realized at some level I had everything that was on it, and, and that was my, my greatest realization um, at, at that moment. So... Um, at that point in time, uh, I decided to uh, wait a day to see if everything I was experiencing at that moment would go away, and it did not. Oh, shoot. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the following day, I, I knew I had to sit down with uh, my wife and um, talk about it with her. People will be interested, I know, uh, to learn about what you have done with regard to careers in your life. Well, um, I had uh, practiced law from uh, 1986 till 1999, and then from 1999 till uh, present, um, I've been involved in sales and marketing of uh, technology uh, products, uh, software and hardware, um, and primarily uh, software in the healthcare field. You had a decision then to make in consultation with your wife. Uh, the symptoms weren't getting better. It was pretty clear uh, it was uh, Parkinson's disease. You decided to take a holistic approach to addressing this disease. How come? Well, this, I guess this is kind of a, a, the longer part of the beginning of the story. Um, there, there's a, a few reasons. Um, one of the reasons was um, having watched my mother over the course of uh, 24 years with Parkinson's disease. Um, she went through what was the, the way of being diagnosed with Parkinson's at the time, and that began with some misdiagnosis and medications for the things that might have been Parkinson's but were not. And ultimately, um, when she did not uh, get better or feel better in any way, um, she then was put on the Parkinson's medications, which uh, compared to how she had been feeling for those previous years of treatment, um, made her feel uh, better, so she received the Parkinson's diagnosis and was on the medications for um, a very long time, uh, 20 plus years on the Parkinson's medications. And um, over, 
you know, a couple of decades, um, ultimately the medications and the disease uh, took their toll on her, and it, it was um, not a uh, very pretty ending. Um, it was rather sad because she also ended up uh, suffering from uh, a level of Alzheimer's and dementia. And, um, you know, as you know, that is a very hard way to um, see somebody um, prior to to their death with Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and dementia. So I had that um, fairly fresh in my mind, and um, for years um, I had uh, just taken a liking to and studied um, through books and articles um, traditional Chinese medicine and alternative healing and holistic healing. And there were many things that um, we had done around here as a family over the years that gave me a very strong belief and feeling that uh, alternative or holistic approaches to uh, fighting maladies could end in great success. And of course, as you know, Parkinson's as, is designated as an incurable disease, and the uh, medications, um, although they may help with pain or they may help with mobility, um, they do not lead toward recovery and they do not lead toward a cure. And, um, you know, this is not just me talking about that, but I, I think that that's, you know, fairly common knowledge that uh, there's a greater level of comfort that one may have in taking the medications, but um, ultimately uh, there is not an expectation in taking the medications or an expectation when the medications are prescribed that the individual is going to improve, recover, or be cured. And so um, since there was nearly... 200 years of information um, since James Parkinson's uh, discovered the disease, it uh, seemed to me that I needed to uh, put my faith in the holistic approach, at least from the viewpoint for me that let me get started going down that path because the other path in the background may be an alternative, but having seen the potential of how it could end um, with my mother, uh, I, I felt a very strong need to go in a different direction and to go on a different path. Um, I had the full support of my, my wife um, with that decision, and I, in, in a large way, I felt I owed it to my wife and our three children to try to fight the disease um, rather than accept the disease and where I might go if I was taking the medications. And when I say in fighting the disease, um, I had uh, read an article early on that, that said 
that the the author of the article said that when um, people receive a diagnosis of cancer that he had seen that they take a hard line I'm going to fight this approach and that when people receive a diagnosis of Parkinson's it is an acceptance of an inevitable end and I was not in denial that I, I had Parkinson's but I was definitely denying that there wasn't a different way on how to approach it. You clearly had extensive familiarity with holistic approaches prior to confronting this challenge. Specifically, had you actually experienced various holistic approaches yourself, or have your family members actually used holistic approaches in addressing various illnesses that might have emerged over the years before all of this emerged? Um, oh yes, yes, and and that was uh, part of what uh, part of what uh, gave me um, confidence that at least I could give it a good fight, and we. Um, from doing uh, Qigong exercises to um, Jin Shin Jitsu energy work, um, acupressure. Um, there are certain things that, that we had learned. Um, my children, if, if somebody caught a cold or had a runny nose or something of that nature, um, there are certain acupressure that we uh, would do that would open up the sinuses and, and drain the cold and within a couple of days without, you know, having to be on any medications, you know, we would, you know, get rid of a basic cold. I mean, we're not talking about things, the, the level of a, of a major disease like um, Parkinson's or any other major disease, but sure, things like uh, a cold or if somebody had, um, had a pain, um, then there was certain acupressure or a certain uh, qigong exercise or a certain way of doing energy work where we would um, handle the pain. And I think part of what what we learned along the way in, in doing it is a, a little bit of a different mindset. Um, and when I say a little bit of a different mindset, when one of us would have a cold or have a pain or have a health issue, we would sit down and look at it not from the what is the symptom, but from what may have caused the symptom. And in the books I have on traditional Chinese medicine, it's very helpful in going through because in treating the uh, individual as a total organism as opposed to just treating where a certain pain might be, um, I feel we were very successful. Like I said, n nothing was you know really major, but over the years we're, we're very successful in you know treating small health issues uh, around the house by getting to the heart of the matter of what may have caused it and then dealing with the cause rather than just dealing with getting rid of the pain. We'll be right back with Howard Shifke after this short break. I'm Robert Rogers, and my guest today is Howard Shifke. 
I had planned in December of last year, that's just four months ago, to take about a week, perhaps 10 days, to write the revision to my book, Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease, that was formally released in 2010 April. It actually wound up taking me three months to write up and explain all of the exciting discoveries that have occurred just over the past year. The good news is that I'm finally done, and the 2011 revision, the second edition to Road to Recovery, is now available. You can find more information about Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease by visiting www.parkinsonsdisease.me. That's the webpage that contains the table of contents and a description of what you will find if you decide to be able to purchase the Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease. It really captures all of the discoveries that have unfolded as a result of my research over the past five years with regard to therapies that are natural, safe, and non-intrusive that are making a huge and a profound difference to individuals like Howard Shefke in being able to get sustained relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. Again, that website is www.thewordparkinson's, without an apostrophe, disease.me, or of course you can always go on Amazon and purchase the book there. Now back to Howard Shifke. Howard, when did you see a neurologist and receive a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease? Um, I uh, scheduled an appointment and um, saw a, a neurologist, my neurologist, uh, November 5th of 2009, which was about uh, five weeks after I started getting the tremors and, and realized that I probably did have a Parkinson's disease. And um, when I uh, went to the neurologist, he put me through all of his tests and he, he did confirm. I mean, obviously, there's always that hope. I mean, I pretty much knew I had it, but there's always that hope that you go and the neurologist says, no, you don't have it. But um, I kind of uh, I, I kind of knew what the diagnosis would be, and, um, and I received uh, the diagnosis November 5th, 2009, that I did, in fact, have Parkinson's. Some people listening to this uh, might uh, be in a situation where they've got some symptoms or thinking about going to see a neurologist. Can you give a brief preview of what that visit was like? What kind of test did the neurologist do for you to do the diagnosis? Okay. Um, well, first we we sat down and had a, a lengthy discussion of why I was there. And um, in the discussion, I... There had been times earlier in the year where I had experienced some uh, health issues that were significant enough to me that I notated them just for paying attention purposes. Um, and, and so I was able to give uh, at least accurate information and general dates and, and time um, relative to things that were happening. Um, I was able to explain to him in our conversation that in February of 2009, um, I was at the gas station, and when I went to pump the gas, I c 
could not squeeze the pump, and I realized that I had a really bad pain on the outer part of the, the muscle near my elbow, and um, and then I realized <clears throat> shortly after that that I was unable to lift the water pitcher with my left arm um, because of the same pain and the inability to actually grasp the handle, and you know, as 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 denial will go, um, you know, back back in November 2009, I thought, well, I probably just hurt my arm. Let me not use it. So I just started using um, my my right hand for everything. So I at least was able to tell him that uh, along the way, you know, the pain never subsided. I I I did have a a sense of Slowness. Um, I, I recalled over a course of months that um, I would be walking along or going up the stairs in the house and think, you know, if if this is how I feel um, at 48 years of age, I cannot imagine how I'm going to feel 20 years from now because I'm feeling kind of slow old, painful, um, those little type of recognitions um, that I had. And um, then he, um, and I'm trying to go back in my mind and remember all of the tests, but I can tell you that a, a substantial part of the tests that he gave me um, were movement tests. I, I did um, walking, balance, um, he did tests with my eye movements, he also did tests where um, I would tap, he had me tap on my left, you know, sitting on the table, had me tap on my uh, right thigh with my right hand while holding my left arm straight out in front. And um, after tapping for a while, um, at first my left arm froze, and then it got a mind all of its own and started, um, for lack of a better word, flailing all over the place. And uh, then he switched that up, and I remember that I was tapping my left thigh with my uh, left palm and had my right arm out and uh, experienced um, the, the same thing, but really to a fraction of a degree of, of what had gone on on the other side. It, it got very tight and moved around quite a bit, couldn't hold it steady at all and couldn't stop it from moving, um, but not near as the flailing that my left arm had done. And um, those are off of, the, off of the top of my head. Those are the, the main tests that, that I remember. There was a lot of physical tests, balance tests, walking tests, um, and then uh, left side, right side movement, comparing what the reaction was on the other side of my body type of test. What did you learn from the tests leading up to the diagnosis that gave you more insight into the disease, and what did you do as a result? Thank you for asking that. This, this actually for me was was one of the greatest learning experiences that I think helped in a huge way in my recovery, and that is 
I learned in a huge way that the left side of my body and the right side of my body were not talking to each other. They weren't working well, the wires were crossed, and if I was going to continue to try to recover, then I needed to figure out a way to isolate the right side of my body and isolate the left side of my body so that um, I would be able to function better. And when I say isolate them, uh, I think we know that um, the way it's been expressed is that the left side of the brain operates the right side of the body and the right side of the brain operates the left side of the body. And they say that with Parkinson's, um, by the time you start to have the really big symptoms, the kind of stuff that makes you go to a neurologist, that upwards of 60 to 80% of the basal ganglia in the brain that are controlling your movement are dead. And so um, it, it made me realize that theoretically, if I was working with only 20 to 40% of the neural impulses controlling my movement, that I needed to streamline the electricity in a better way. And I, I felt that I needed to learn exactly what was going on inside my body so that I would have a better opportunity to try to fix it. And if it's okay, I'd like to explain that a little bit. Please. Um, I started to, um, in the morning, what I would do is I, I decided I needed to see where the neural impulses went because obviously from the tests that the doctor gave me, um, movement on one side of the body set off um, uncontrollable reactions on the other side of the body. So I started a process um, in the morning where I would uh, stand in the kitchen, uh, hold on to the counter with uh, one hand, um, and, and while I was doing this, I, I had to hold on to the counter. I had a terrible, terrible balance. Um, my, my balance was, the best way I can explain is my balance was somewhere behind my heels. So um, I really needed to hunch forward in order to, to stay upright. And what I would do is uh, stand there, hold the counter with my left hand, and I would take my uh, right arm, have it hang down by my side, and then I would lift it straight out to the side slowly. And I would do that four times, and then I would close my eyes and see what I felt. And when I first started doing this, um, I would notice that I had very strong um, impulses, electrical impulses, uh, sometimes in my left knee or my left shoulder, even though it had been my right arm that I was moving. And so I... Uh, went online and I found you know that outline of a body and I printed it up and made a bunch of copies and so I started working on trying to isolate where the neural impulses were um, in my body in response to moving each limb one at a time so I do the right arm then then the left arm and then I would do um, 
one one leg and then the other and with the legs I would just bring it up as much as I could in what I would say like a, a marching position you just bring it up and put it down four times and then see where I felt the impulses and through that process I started to learn a little bit more about what was going on electrically inside my body and um, I started to do things one-sided so that I had to really kind of focus. The best example I could give is I generally drove the car left-handed and um, right foot on the pedals. And it occurred to me that if I had, after extended driving, some type of a freezing or non-controlling movement in my left arm as a result of moving my right foot or in my right foot as a result of moving my left arm, that that could result in a terrible thing uh, driving the car. So what I actually did was um, I started, when I would get in the car, I started putting my left hand under my left thigh so that I took it completely out of the equation and I learned how to drive just with my right hand so that all of my movement was on that one side of my body. And I also, and this is where I say I was, I was fortunate that I had um, years of experience of reading um, and, and doing a number of holistic things because I remembered that I had read about a um, brain vibration chant. There is a uh, doctor, his uh, name is Dr. Shaw, and he is a Chinese medical doctor and also a Western medical doctor. And um, Dr. Shaw has an approach called soul-mind-body medicine, and a part of it involves chanting, and the chanting is actually vibrating different parts of your body. And I had remembered, and I went and found it in one of my books, a brain vibration chant. So... What I did was I started doing the brain vibration chant to stimulate activity in my brain, and then I focused and visualized streamlining the electrical impulses in my body because my goal was to retrain my brain so that the right side of my brain would move the right side of my body and the left side of my brain would move the left side of my body, I figured that if I could achieve that, then I would have much more a much more streamlined approach to my movement, and I would take out of the equation the issue of uh, freezing or uncontrolled movement because there would be no crossover. And so I, I worked on that, a lot, and, and that's why I, I appreciate the question, because um, it was something that I really did not realize until being put through the test what a um, violent um, reaction my body had when trying to move left side and right side at, at the same time. The 
brain chant sounds quite fascinating to me. Did you really pick this up on a website, Dr. Shaw's website, or did you get an actual mentoring session for this? No, he um, he he is very good. Besides sharing a lot of information and videos on, on his website, he's written a number of books, and, and the, the first book that I, I had ever gotten um, by Dr. Shaw was called Power Healing. <clears throat> and it and it's in that book that uh, he first discusses it, and then in Soul Mind Body Medicine, um, he talks about the uh, brain vibration chanting as well. And in a, in a nutshell, um, the the way the chanting is um, set up, uh, Doctor Shaw's uh, teacher and mentor, uh, Doctor Guo, who is a Chinese medical doctor in China. Um, he learned through meditation and trial and error that in Mandarin Chinese, that uh, numbers in Mandarin Chinese could create, by saying them, could create um, certain vibrations. And then through practice, um, he was able to learn that certain combinations of the um, numbers put in certain combinations could lead to um, vibrations of the organs or vibrations of your limbs so that uh, it could lead to healing. The idea of the healing being that the cause of what is um, wrong with the individual either has to do with too much energy or too little energy, and that by putting the chanting into the equation, you're creating a vibration, excuse me, a vibration that either increases the energy um, or helps dissipate the energy depending upon what malady you have. I'd be really curious then about the chant. Would I be saying something like 425, 9, 22, 13, 12 in a kind of a chanting way? Or exactly how does it work? Okay. Uh, well, I will tell it to you. He provided, um, doc, Dr. Shaw provided in the book actually the uh, English um, phonetic uh, sounds for the uh, brain vibration chant. And so it goes Ling Yao Chi 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 Joe Ling Ba Ling Yao Chi 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 Joe R R Si Si And that is a combination of um, numbers that when you do the chant um, I would sit forward in a chair sit as straight up as I could and um, when I first started doing it, I actually typed it up and put it on the computer screen so I could be staring at it. But once I um, learned it, uh, the, the idea is that if you can chant that for, say, five minutes and chant it as fast as possible, it will create a vibration that will stimulate the uh, neural impulses in your brain. And so how often did you chant this every day for five minutes? Oh, I did uh, five minutes in the morning and the afternoon and the evening. 
and and what I did was when I would feel the neural impulses, then what I what I did when I would conclude because I felt a lot of activity going on, um, particularly in the back part of my head. What I would do is try to visualize what was going on in my head, try to visualize the energy on the right side of my brain just going down the right side of my body and the energy on the left side of my brain going down the left side of my body. So I was trying to use <coughs> excuse me, use the brain activity that I was creating through the chanting to visualize and retrain my brain to streamline where the impulses were going. Why did you feel that your body could heal itself? Well, um, a big part of that comes from the experience of the previous years where we had worked on other um, things around the house, like I explained earlier. But also, if you if you really just break it down to the nuts and bolts, I... I think everybody has experienced at some level, even if not really aware of thinking it, of it in terms of the body healing itself um, at some point in their life. I mean, simple example is if you, you know, you're 10 years old, you fall out of the tree and you break your arm and your mom takes you to the doctor and uh, the doctor says, Hey, Robert, no, no big deal. I'm going to set your arm. I'm going to put it in a cast, and after X amount of time, you're going to come back here, and it's going to be uh, good as new or it might even be better because sometimes when there's a break and a, and a healing, you know, it'll be stronger than it was before. Well, if you think about the process, um, really the doctor um, sets the arm and puts it in a cast, but essentially... Um, the body is what heals the arm. Um, yes, it, it does take the, the doctor's expertise in knowing how to properly set the arm and, and do all of that. He's a very critical part of the formula. But ultimately, what goes on inside the arm, inside the cast, is um, your body healing itself. So I am just a strong believer that if you listen to your body and try to make sense of what it is telling you, then you can put things into place that will help your body heal itself. We'll be right back with Howard Chitke after this short station break. I'm Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. My guest today is Howard Chitke. I just released my new book, my second edition of Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease, 50 additional pages, now 330 pages. The book contains everything that I've learned from all of the interviews, all the radio programs, all the phone calls, all of the reviews of literature about what causes the symptoms of Parkinson's and also the therapies that individuals report to me are making a profound difference in their ability to get sustained relief from their symptoms. So check it out. You can get information about Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease by visiting www.parkinsonsdisease.com. 
dot M-E, or you can, of course, always visit Amazon and purchase the second edition from there. And now back to my incredible and fascinating interview with Howard Shipke. Howard, you have mentioned that the limitations of your movement started to make sense. And then you started to listen to your body and take a less is more approach to fighting the disease. Can you talk about this some and explain what you mean? Certainly. Um, I can tell you that within a few days of the uh, tremors starting, I I had uh, three major limitations that uh, came upon me. Um, One was I realized that I could not get out of a chair without holding on to the arms of the chair and using my upper body to literally lift me out of a chair. Uh, The second thing was that no matter how hard I tried, I could not convince either of my feet to step on the first step of our stairs uh, unless I first grabbed onto the railing. Um, I just, I reached, I walked up to the stairs one day and that was it. My body stopped right there. And the third thing was um, I realized in the middle of eating um, one day that I lifted the food with my utensil and that's where it stopped. And I couldn't figure out how to get the... uh, utensil with the food to my mouth and concentrating on it and trying to move it to my mouth was almost like a uh, cogwheel click 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 about eight clicks at the elbow to to get it to my mouth and it was that was very very um difficult and those those were um excuse me major limitations um and I I then also, you know, realized uh, my arms didn't swing. Uh, my the rigidity that I had in my back was was probably the most painful part of the disease. Um, it it made me hunch forward, pulled my shoulders in, and it really just hurt all the time. Um, the, the thing about it is that by not taking any medications or any supplements or anything to um, deal with the pain, it it allowed me the opportunity to um, pay attention to where I had the pain, try to figure out why I had the pain, and to to see what sense it made to me. And and actually, it, it started to make pretty good sense and that is my balance, as I mentioned earlier, was really terrible. So um, I tend to think that if um, my body didn't limit me from walking up the stairs, I might get two or three steps and then head backwards, head first uh, to the tile floor, which would have been a complete disaster. Um, Same thing with getting out of a chair if I stood up too quickly and try to walk, um, I think that would have had some uh, bad results. And um, 
I, I really don't have anything to offer great about the food, except maybe I was eating too much. <laughs> <clears throat> I had the darndest time getting the food to, to my mouth, so I, I really uh, had a hard time making sense of that one. But I also understood that um, that by hunching forward, um, I, I can tell you I, I never fell. In, in the in the nine months that I was actively fighting this disease, um, I, I never fell. Uh, I never had a hard freezing moment in the middle of walking. Um, and and part of it, which made sense, particularly after my my doctor visit, is that um, my, my arms had stopped swinging, and um, and that was something that I didn't know how long prior to realizing I had the disease, they had stopped swinging or that I was hunched over or that I was shuffling my feet, but it, it had been some time. And by looking at those limitations, um, I feel that in, in a way it was like my, my body uh, protecting itself because I was protected from falling, I was protected from freezing, if I tried to, I, I would imagine if I had tried to forcibly swing my arms at, at some point in time, one of my legs would have frozen or gone out of control and maybe I would have fallen no different than the uh, tests that my neurologist was running. So um, I worked at trying to pay much more attention to to those things. Now, one of the things that um, anybody who, who has Parkinson's can tell you is that it, it really wears you out physically. And um, it's, in, in a way, it's a little bit difficult to explain the, the issue of um, rigidity. And the, the best way that I've tried to explain it is um, imagine you know, flexing your uh, muscles and then trying to do regular movement with your muscles flexed all day. It's going to wear you out, and it's going to hurt after a while. And so um, in, in order to try to uh, move a little bit better and have a little bit more energy at the end of the day, um, my less is more approach to fighting the disease was basically I didn't push my physical limits to what Parkinson's would allow me to do. I actually stopped prior to that. I walked a little bit slower than Parkinson's would allow me. Um, when I would go up the stairs, I realized that going up the stairs in the conventional manner where you go every other step, you know, with your feet walking up, that I was having to use a large amount of upper body um, energy and strength because I was primarily pulling myself up because every time I picked up a foot to go to the next step, my body wanted to go backwards. So it was that kind of a physical battle to go up the stairs. And so I, I took a different approach. I decided that um, when I got to the stairs that instead of going every other step, I would hold onto the railing, put my foot on the first step, and then I would just bring the other foot up to the same step. So it was a slower process, but actually over time it was much easier and barely took any energy at all because 
if uh, the railing was on my left side and I held on to the railing with my left hand, once I um, would put my one foot on the step, just by straightening out that knee, the other foot would come up to the step next to it. So movement was um, slower, but I could stand a little straighter when I walked, and I could go up and down the stairs, albeit it took me longer. Um, I could do it without uh, a lot of physical exertion. So I, I started to really try to pay attention to um, what I would say my body was telling me. And when I say paying attention, I, I tried to, when something, I tried to take the attitude when something would happen most of the time, something that would happen that I didn't like because it was another physical thing I couldn't do anymore, then I would stop and think about it and say, well, let's try to make some sense of it. And um, more times than not, I, I was able to at least uh, justify or make some sense of the limitation and then try to approach my physical movement from a slower direction um, or slower way of moving than I had before in order to, um, as, as I would say, best respond to my body telling me, don't do these things. You had decided to take a holistic approach, clearly. After consultation with a neurologist, did you make a decision to take any medicines, or were you also taking supplements? I, I did not. Um, I did not. Uh, for for a couple of reasons, and and one of them is that once I came to the conclusion that I really needed to listen to my body if I was going to have any chance of recovering from this disease, then I decided I I didn't want to uh, take anything that would mask a symptom something that might give me better movement than maybe uh, I was supposed to have with the disease or something that might um, create a situation where I didn't feel pain in a particular area so didn't realize that maybe I had a different issue that I needed to work on. So it, it really was more from a uh, perspective that I was doing uh, qigong exercises, medical qigong. I was focused on the, the liver. Um, in the very first book that I got um, after uh, getting Parkinson's, uh, is entitled What Your Doctor May Not Tell You About Parkinson's Disease by uh, Dr. Jill Marjama Lyons. And she um, discussed that uh, from in the book from the, and it's a really good book because it, it covers in depth all of the medications um, that were in place at the time she wrote the book, plus it also talks about um, traditional Chinese medicine perspective, Ayurvedic perspective, um, a, a number of things. Very, very, very good book, and I would recommend that one to, to anybody who is uh, new to Parkinson's. I think it covers the, the gamut from, from all, all directions. But one of the things um, from traditional Chinese medicine perspective was that 
um, there are three main uh, causes of Parkinson's, and um, one one of them discussed uh, liver uh, wind uh, deficiency. And so, um, essentially, a problem with the liver and wind means you shake. And so, any type of um, medications, any type of supplements are things that my body would have uh, had to process through my liver. And I was very much focused on uh, strengthening my liver, cleansing my liver, eating foods that were good for my kidney and liver, and really working very hard to um, cleanse my liver because I, I sincerely believed in the traditional Chinese medicine view of Parkinson's. And so um, in, ingesting a medication or a supplement um, would have been contrary to that philosophy from my point of view and um, would, would have been a little bit counterproductive because it would have made my liver have to work harder in order to um, process and cleanse my body from um, medications or uh, supplements. And also, um, I feel from uh, my experience that Parkinson's is an electrical problem with the body. It is not a chemical problem with the body. So I feel very strongly that to recover from Parkinson's, um, you need to deal with it from a neural electrical impulse uh, perspective, not from a taking chemicals that are going to change other chemical balances or imbalances in the body. Can you say more about that? Why do you feel Parkinson's is an electrical problem rather than a chemical problem? Well, um, I, I think uh, first it... Uh, even from from the way it is uh, viewed clinically, um, you're not getting the electrical impulses that you're supposed to be getting, and so movement is um, is impeded. And also, from my experience in actually experiencing the disease without medications and without supplements, um, I would periodically feel pain in an area where I hadn't felt pain um, or I would periodically have no pain in an area where I felt pain practically all the time. And so I, I felt that it was an issue not that the... Um, not that the dopamine was uh, dead um, but that, or even depleted, but that the dopamine was shut off in some way where it was not able to get all of the electrical impulses to go to um, where they normally needed to go. So basically... Um, kind of kind of the idea i'm in uh, I'm in Florida, so I'll I'll use my uh, hurricane example. Um, you know, after a hurricane comes through and wipes out the electricity for a while, um, people put in uh, power generators. And um, typically the power generator will run your refrigerator and freezer. Um, it'll run your air conditioning. 
Um, it'll run the washer and dryer. It'll run the lights. But it isn't going to run them all at the same time like the electrical company runs when you have full electricity. And I kind of viewed the <clears throat> Parkinson's body as um, running on the power generator and that it isn't that the full ability of the electricity to be there um, is not there. It's just that somehow it's been cut off. So after they work on the power lines and they get everything fixed and they flip the proper switches, then you know you can run the lights and the air conditioner and the washer and dryer and refrigerator and freezer all at the same time. So I really feel that Parkinson's kind of follows that that scenario that that the body has reached a level where the uh, where the body is working more like on a power generator than on full electricity and the fact that periodically I would feel impulses in places I hadn't felt them for a while made me feel like um, the the nerves weren't dead in those areas and the impulses getting to those areas weren't dead they just weren't consistent is holistic healing a quick way to recovery <laughs> sorry I'm, I'm 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 sorry for chuckling it is a um long and difficult way toward recovery but uh, I will tell you one well well worth uh, well worth the fight, and um, I I think recovering from any um, major disease is not going to be uh, quick, but certainly holistic healing is uh, is uh, slow because it it starts um, <clears throat> excuse me it starts rather uh, deep within and. Um, and there's a lot of healing that has to take place until um, you finally get to the surface and really start to see some physical manifestation of recovery. There are many people, I'm sure, Howard, that are thinking at this point, I want to do exactly what Howard did. Can you give us an outline of what steps need to be taken to begin holistic healing of Parkinson's symptoms? Well, I, um, I, I can, and, and I will tell you um, that uh, in March of last year, um, when, I, when I was about six months uh, into having Parkinson's, I, I started a blog, and I have a, a lot of information out there, including step-by-step. Um, -step. At the beginning of this year, I did a step-by-step uh, -step everything that I did, including providing all of the resources so people, if they wanted to get books or read articles or look these things up, and I have, um, I think, four or five um, videos of doing some of the Qigong exercises. But um, I will tell you, a, a big part of it, and actually I think, I think it's, the, it's the biggest uh, part of it, is having the true belief that you will recover. And, and this is a disease that um, fights you every minute of every day. Um, and so first thing is starting with the attitude that says, I will recover. 
and believing it. I tell people, believe it. In order to recover, you have to say, they are incorrect, this is not incurable, and I will get better. And that's that's the first step. Um, as I mentioned, Dr. Shaw earlier, he, he has a, uh, a uh, saying he would say, and, it's, and I think it's very important, I have the power to heal myself, you have the power to heal yourself, together we have the power to heal the world. And it just takes each person really sincerely believing in your ability to recover from this disease, that's, to me, the, the big step one. Um, what I did uh, myself is I, I began, as I said, I put a lot of focus on the, on the liver and the kidneys, and so um, I, I did a Qigong exercise, medical Qigong for the liver, um, I did an exercise every day, medical Qigong for the kidneys. Um, a few months after I had started that, I came upon in one of my old books I hadn't read for a while, I was flipping through and I actually found a Qigong for clearing liver wind. So I thought that that one was incredible because that was really the point of what I was trying to um, work on. Also, as you know, standing uh, for any length of time in balance or uh, terrible, and so there was a standing exercise that I had done for years that I couldn't do anymore because I would fall over backwards. So I actually started um, standing against the wall so that I could, and really with this exercise, all you do is you stand, you bend your knees a little bit, you put your arms up in a, in a way almost like you're holding a beach ball in front of you, and you just stand there for five minutes. And um, if you can work your way up to five minutes, and what it does is it's it's incredible. But you can feel um, your body strengthening from from the inside just by standing. Um, as we spoke about earlier, I I did the awareness of the neural impulses when I was moving one limb at a time and seeing where they were going. Um, I did the brain vibration chanting. Um, one thing that was for me, the saving grace, and that was, um, you know, during the day when moving, I didn't feel the tremors um, much, sometimes not at all, but when sitting still, and certainly when uh, getting into bed at night when I was just uh, lying there, uh, the tremors were terrible, and in uh, our acupressure book, there is an acupressure actually for um, for the nervous system and for Parkinson's, and it is uh, acupressure of the governing vessel, and they talk about points uh, 2 through 20. And basically, in brief, it's basically the areas from its, you know, roughly 20 points, acupressure points, starting at the coccyx and going up your back to ending at the top of your head. And my wife would uh, do for me the governing vessel acupressure every night. And as she would do it, I could feel, and this is one thing also that, that helped me really feel that we were dealing with an electrical problem, not a chemical problem. And that is when she would start to do the uh, acupressure um, at my coccyx and my lower back, I would feel huge electricity shooting down my legs to my feet and as she moved up my back I could feel electricity moving down to my sides 
and by the time uh, she finished, um, I didn't feel tremors. They went away, and they went away long enough that I could fall asleep, and I slept through the night. And, and I know there are people that say that they have a horrific time with Parkinson's and sleeping, and I can tell you I, I do not recall one bad night of sleep. Generally, from just dealing with the disease all day, I was pretty exhausted at bedtime anyhow. But laying there and then experiencing the tremors for the worst of the day because you're just laying there on the bed, um, that governing vessel acupressure took away the tremors so I could go to sleep. And um, that I think that was huge in, in my recovery. Um, there's also a modality called Jin Shin Jitsu, and um, it helps balance the energy flows in the body. Uh, I did the brain vibration chanting, which I talked about with you. Uh, I um, I have a, uh, a book I got on um, Zen, and it's called Not Always So. And uh, so every day I would just read one passage, and then... Um, there, there's a thing they call sitting zazen, and it's basically a meditative sitting. And uh, I couldn't, I've never been able to sit in a lotus position, but at least I could sit with my legs crossed. Well, I couldn't do that for any length of time, so I actually did it sitting in a chair. And I would sit for 10 minutes and just, really, you're just kind of sitting. You have your eyes closed about 75%, and you count your breath 1 to 10 and start over again. And it's incredible how relaxing that is, but all you're doing is counting your breath. So um, instead of trying to uh, clear my mind, actually my mind cleared itself because all I was doing was focusing on the uh, on the breathing. I did along the way uh, adopt a vegetarian diet. And I can tell you that one of the things that they say Parkinson's causes is uh, constipation and... Um, I had that in a really bad way, and by changing to a vegetarian diet, um, I was able to uh, get rid of that problem. And um, from some of the research I had done on things, I, I realized that probably what my biggest issue was is last year during holiday time, I had a lot of animal protein. And when January came around, I paid a very bad uh, penalty for that. And so um, in January of uh, 2010, I uh, changed to a completely vegetarian diet and have, uh, have stayed that way and um, haven't had that, that problem at all. Um, what I also did, which is, is really important, and that is um, along the way, I I also found a website. It's um, a group in California, in Santa Cruz, um, PD Recovery. It's uh, pdrecovery.org, and uh, there uh, they have uh, they did a study and worked with Parkinson's patients for um, about a dozen years. And there's uh, a lot of valuable information and. The, the things that I came away with um, were, were two main things. Uh, one main thing was that there is a modality called yin tui na, which they also call forceless spontaneous release. 
and it is uh, done with a specialized way of holding a person's foot to help uh, turn around a backward energy flow in the stomach meridian. And um, the, uh, the the people out there, uh, Dr. Janice Walton Hadlock, uh, she is a, a, a wonderful person and, like I said, spent years and years um, working with Parkinson's patients. And she discovered along the way that there was a consistency with an old foot or ankle injury and it was causing the flow of the stomach meridian to go in the uh, incorrect direction and that by opening up that flow that that went a long way toward um, the healing process for Parkinson's but the other side of the formula the other half of that formula is also the um, mind part and the soul or heart part of the equation. And so I did a, a lot of meditations and affirmations and prayers. Um, I worked on getting negative thoughts out of my head. I worked on um, meditating on positive things. I worked on gratitude meditations. And um, I, I feel that those were also... Um, just as important as all of the physical things that I was doing. I, I did the physical things because I, I felt the great need to um, cleanse toxins from my body, rebuild the strength of my organs, and have my body ready to heal. And that the, um, the meditations and affirmations and prayers really went a long way toward opening up my opening up my heart and opening up my mind um, so that I I could recover. We'll be right back with Howard Shifke after this short station break. The second edition of Road to Recovery has just been released. You can find more information by visiting www.parkinsonsdisease.me or by calling toll-free 877-526-4646. And now back to Howard Shifke. Howard, did you see any immediate results when you started this incredible program of healing for yourself? Um, I uh, did not, Robert, and and that that I think is the the hardest part. Um, it's it's the getting started with the feeling that someday I will get better, and maybe I won't see any great results right away, but um, I need to stick with this, and so that. Kind of like when, when you asked earlier if holistic healing was a quick way to recovery, it is not. But also, it's, it's not really a quick way to feeling great right away. Uh, I would say that there were, there were times along the way when I thought, okay, um, I, I don't think I'm any worse today than I was yesterday. Um, there was uh, a, a rare occasion here or there where I thought, you know, I feel a little better today. Um, than I did yesterday when I went for my three-month uh, follow-up visit in February of 2010. <coughs> excuse me. 
excuse me, my uh, neurologist said he he actually was able to detect that my my balance seemed that um, my uh, rigidity was probably around the same, maybe a tiny bit better. Um, so, you know, there were there were some things that even he could see, but they they were very um, very small. Let me put it that way. How, how is it then that you stuck with the idea and the approach of holistic healing, even though you didn't see any measurable results right away? Well, that's the part that takes a lot of faith. Uh, a lot of faith and um, family and friends, emotional support, and really just that that feeling that that says, I, I need to do this. Now, I, I can tell you because I, I, through my blog, I communicate with a lot of people and others have pointed out to me that one of the things that, that they think probably helped, and, and I, I believe they are correct, is that I had about a decade's worth of history of things around the house that I explained earlier that really made me know and believe that holistic healing um, will work. And so even though I didn't see measurable results right away, I, I really had a, a good sense that, that I would be um, recovering one day. And, and that w- that's, that's a big part of it. I, I think that, um, you know, conceptually, I think some people feel that they, they got the disease when they were diagnosed. And <clears throat> obviously that, that would be very rare, I guess I would say. Maybe not obvious, but I think that would be very rare. I, I think that if most people really think about it, kind of like I did back then, is that you can say, wow, I've had some things wrong with me for probably quite some time. And then, you know, you realize, oh, I have a bigger problem now. And um, those little things along the way, I really wasn't paying too much uh, attention to. And, you know, kind of the way with holistic healing is you, you didn't get Parkinson's the day you were diagnosed and you're not going to get rid of it, um, you know, the day after the, the diagnosis. I, I kind of look at it like, um, you know, I, w- I would imagine that the uh, captain of the Titanic only saw the tip of the iceberg, if even that, but there was, uh, history says, a, a, an ice mountain that had been growing for a long time under the surface. And, and I kind of think Parkinson's is that way, that when it finally breaks the surface, that there are a mountain of layers below that need to be dealt with in order to recover. And that holistic healing uh, starts from very deep within. And so as I was healing my organs, um, you know, it, it, it didn't uh, give me any great uh, feeling on, on the surface. As a matter of fact, um, in, in December of 2009, I actually had uh, lost uh, tactile feeling on the, the outside of the skin. I couldn't tell the, the difference between, uh, you know, hot water or boiling water. I, I would cut myself or get a mosquito bite. I, I didn't feel it. Um, my, my body had stopped sweating. Um, so... I had to 
think those things through and and realize that um and 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 this is the thing that that most people a difficult concept and and that is that um in holistic healing um more times than not pain is going to be uh, representative that you're making progress and it's completely kind of turning the general theory of pain on its head because most of the time um, when we feel pain it is something we try to avoid or something that we uh, go get remedied so we don't have to feel the pain but when uh, in holistic healing um, when you're cleansing toxins uh, they they do not leave without a fight. And so I think one of the things also about the holistic healing is um, it's something that you, you have to really be strong-willed about because um, there's, there's pain that is going to be felt, but then ultimately that pain is going to go away. And I, I like to refer to it as good pain. I mean, if you think about it, one of the things that I did is called standing. Well, to me, if all you're doing is standing, and after a couple of minutes of standing, um, the energy is moving in your body and you start to feel pain, I I view that as good pain because there's very little you can do to hurt yourself from a pain perspective by just standing. And so it it kind of takes a, a bit of a... A different, uh, a different mindset um, to to really stick with it, and also um, one of the things that um, that helped in uh, sticking with it is I I really um, did not put a lot of worry or concern into when I was going to get better. Matter of fact, I, I was quite surprised that I had recovered in nine months. I, I did not have that expectation of that type of result. So it it wasn't like I was um, running in a race. It was more like I was just plodding along. As I tell people sometimes, this is the race won by the tortoise, just kind of slow and steady, you know, as opposed to the hare. And it, it does take a certain amount of um, of resolve in, in order to not be frightened when the disease fights back, because it, it does fight back. And I think most of the time, if we start a new exercise or start doing something differently and um, we get some pain with it, then the natural thing that we do is stop. And I feel that that means the disease wins because it gets in your head and it wants you to stop. I can tell you I had an argument with myself almost every morning to have to convince myself to do the exercises and do the meditations. And let me face it, I I was the one who was taking responsibility for getting better. So if I didn't do the exercises and I didn't do the meditations, um... It wasn't going to have a a, a good ending. There'd be no possibility of a good ending. But I still, it's one of the things about the disease I I feel very strongly about is that it just fights you back. And I I did have a a discussion and sometimes an argument with myself. No, you don't really need to do them. You know, you can skip a day. And and so 
there's that constant uh, feeling that you have to just keep pushing ahead and pushing ahead and pushing ahead. And at, at a certain level, it's it's a achieving, I want to say it's a, a achieving a, a balance. Um, and I'm trying to think of the best way how to express it. I think that Dr. Shaw um, expresses it um, very well with soul, mind, body, medicine. Um, theory being first you heal the soul and then the mind and the body will follow. And what what I realized as I was progressing along is that I, I did need to work on the meditations and I did need to work on keeping strong faith in those things. And I kind of looked at looked at uh, Parkinson's that way because if you if you think about Parkinson's and you think about the soul mind and body aspect of it it's kind of Parkinson's you know physically it, it knocks you off balance I mean you move slowly you have to be more cautious you're looking down you're not looking forward and it it puts your body in a posture that makes it nearly impossible to walk balanced with a bent neck and a bent spine and and your, your head looking down you don't have a good visual frame of reference so physically you're you're really out of balance and what that leads to is mentally you get knocked off balance because of of fear afraid of falling afraid of freezing uh, afraid of what people think when they see you, afraid of where the future of Parkinson's may take you, a uh, wheelchair or, um, you know, a uh, walker. And so, to me, that's the thing about Parkinson's really getting you off balance because physically you get knocked off balance. That leads to mentally getting knocked off balance. And then that ultimately leads to spiritually getting knocked off balance because facing all of these things one tends to give up hope that you can get better particularly when you're diagnosed with a disease where they tell you you cannot get better and so it takes a different mind and a different spirit and a different fight um, because once Parkinson's knocks you off balance on those three things I think Parkinson's is, is winning and so I, along the way, um, learned that actually um, it needed to be flipped around, flipped around the other way. And, uh, and when I say flipped around the other way, um, as Dr. Shaw would say, first heal your soul and your mind and body will follow. It takes a very strong belief and a very strong faith that you have the power to heal yourself. And and you have to know that, and not just think it, but you have to know it in your heart of hearts and your soul of souls that one day you will get better. And I, I really did. I really felt that way. I was I was adamant about it. That um, I I knew I would get better. I I really accepted that as fact. Um, I did not know when. Um, I knew. I needed to get my body ready. I I knew I needed to have a good attitude and get my mind ready. But um, you know, on the on the spiritual side, I was really still kind of looking on the on the outside. And then 
really what I needed to do was focus on healing from the inside, from the spiritual side. And when I say that, I mean letting go of my fear of Parkinson's and letting go of negative thoughts about what might happen in the future and letting go of those types of uh, fears uh, very liberating in fighting this disease because it, it, fear is the, the great facilitator, I think. It, it really plays into um, making, making one uh, physically and mentally uh, not balanced in fighting the disease. And so the meditations and the affirmations um, were very, very important and I feel that what happens is that um, they help reduce adrenaline and open up the doors for dopamine. And I really think that that is an important relationship. Um, and, and Dr. Walton Hadlock talks about it in her uh, literature, and, and I feel that it makes very, very good sense as it relates to Parkinson's. And, and that is that, um, you know, when one is in adrenaline mode, I guess best example is you're walking along and the lion jumps out of the bushes and you start running. Well, you're in adrenaline mode. Your adrenaline kicks in and you take off. But when your adrenaline kicks in and you take off, your adrenaline is telling the other parts of your body, um, you know, I don't want to have to stop for a restroom break. I'm trying to survive here. And I don't want to have to stop and eat or drink because I'm trying to survive here. And so I feel that being in a fast-paced life and dealing with issues in life that um, adrenaline, when one gets used to being in adrenaline mode, that it really takes over in a way and it upsets the balance of the body. And that by doing these meditations and doing these affirmations and getting rid of the fear and calming myself and getting rid of the anger and things of that nature, that what it did was it allowed my adrenaline mode to back off and it allowed the dopamine to flow. And I know that this is a uh, theory that um, many listeners just rolled their eyes about, but I can tell you sincerely that that was what I experienced and that I I did meditate very, very much um, on on those issues. And I focused on, I actually had a conversation with my adrenaline and, you know, told my adrenaline that for years I needed to be in adrenaline mode just for surviving in life. But uh, all of those stressors of life um, that had existed in those years were no longer in existence. So it was okay for my adrenaline to back off a little bit and then I would have a conversation with my dopamine and I would tell my dopamine, I know during all of those years that adrenaline was in charge, you had to shut off, turn the faucet off, not flow. Um, 
and uh, just like my organs weren't functioning properly, my liver wasn't functioning properly, my large intestine wasn't functioning properly, these are all things I learned with Parkinson's disease. And so I would have that conversation and tell dopamine, it's, uh, you did need to get out of the way, but I, I need you now. The only thing is, I don't know how much of my adrenaline should be flowing, I mean, how much of my adrenaline should be backing off Excuse me, and how much of my dopamine should be flowing? What is the proper mix? And so I would tell them, uh, I need the two of you to work on this with the higher power, and I'm going to go meditate on something else so that I don't get in the way of the conversation, but I need to get my body back in the proper flows so that I can get back to being a regular person again and I can recover from this disease. And ultimately, I did. Pretty clearly, that meeting had a a very good outcome. Yes, and it wasn't just one meeting. It's something that I did. But I but I will tell you, once I started doing those meditations, I would say that I saw very very little results for probably eight and a half months. And I started doing those meditations every day, and then. Um, the, the forceless spontaneous release in Twayna that I mentioned, um, my wife did for me the footholding for about a half an hour for a week. And I can tell you that within the first few days of um, that, after eight and a half months of seeing very little results, I started to see results, and they started to happen fast. And within the next two weeks, I was completely symptom-free. And that's one of the things about holistic healing where I talk about how it's from deep, deep within, is that you're you're doing healing in areas where you're not aware. I mean, how do you how do you know if your organs are healing? I mean, you can't see it, you really kinda don't feel it. How do you know if your liver is being cleansed? Those those aren't things that you can touch or see or even feel. That's where the faith comes in. You have to believe in the process. You have to believe that it is it is going to happen because if you truly, sincerely believe in the process, then, and this is where the soul-mind-body comes in, when you have faith and you really believe in the process, then your mind doesn't have to worry that it won't work. Your mind will follow because if you truly believe you will be successful at some day in the future, then your mind has no need to worry about anything about bad consequences. And your body, you're working hard with your body, and your body responds as well. And so that's that's why the, the I, I really feel Dr. Shaw hits the nail on the head when, when he talks about healing the soul and the mind and body will follow. And... And I will tell you, even in that example I gave you about uh, you know breaking your arm and going to the doctor, if if you think about it, when the doctor says, you know, Robert, your your arm is going to be good as new. I'm just going to set it and put it in this cast, and then when you come back in X amount of time, I'll take off the cast and you'll be good as new. If you think about it, you have faith in the doctor, and you have faith in the process. So the entire time that your arm is in that cast you don't worry that it isn't going to get better. And what does your body do? Heals itself. It gets better. So even in that simple example, 
not that we ever stop and think, gee, how did this process really work? But along the way of fighting with Parkinson's disease, I did stop and think about all of these things. And I really think that that holds true even in that simple example of your arm healing itself because you believe in the process. So you don't grieve over it. And, uh, and I, I can't imagine that there's very many you know, children who fell and broke their arm and the doctor put it in the cast and said, this will be good as new, that fretted about it one moment after that. They're back in the playground. They're back outside running around playing. They're, they're not really concerned about it because they have faith in the process. They don't worry about it. They get better. And I feel that you can do the same thing with Parkinson's. It's not as easy, but it can have great results. And obviously, can I, can I promise that anybody who tests what I did will recover? Of course not. But I can tell you, this is what I've done, this is what I did, and I've been sharing the information for almost a year now, and I feel that um, doing these things, I, I, I can't see where it would have bad results for anybody, and I, I, I really feel very strongly that um, you know everybody has to get on their own path, but I feel that the path that, that I did, and I notated it very carefully, is something that is repeatable by others and that others have a very substantial chance of recovering. I feel very strongly about that. At the outset of your diagnosis, you elected not to take medications. Do you think that holistic healing can help people who are taking medications? That is a very good question, and, and, and I appreciate it, Robert, because actually I, I do. I do, and and that is that, first of all, I feel that everybody who wants to work toward it and who believes in themselves and believes that their body can heal them um, should have the opportunity to recover. So I don't think that the um, set of people who are taking Parkinson's medications, which is the greater majority of people who are diagnosed with Parkinson's, should be negated from the ability to recover. So I think in a grand scheme of life, that, that to me would seem to lack in, in fairness. I, I feel that um, it, it, that, that people, it, you know, the exercises, I don't think if somebody is taking medications, and, and of course before doing anything other than what they've already discussed with their doctor and taking medications, I, I wouldn't recommend they do anything without talking to their doctor first, but it would be hard for me to imagine that um, certain lifestyle changes such as adding in some exercises, doing some chanting and meditations and adjusting their dietary strategy would be harmful to somebody. However, you know, in, in light of the fact that the person and their doctor are the best judges of what is going on in, in their system and based upon the medications that they're taking, I think it would also be really important for, um, for them to go over anything with, uh, with their doctor as it would for anybody, but in particular, um, people who are taking medications. I, I can tell you that I, I've gotten an occasional email 
from um, from people who are taking medications that say, you know, they they saw my blog or they watched uh, one of the videos that's on there, and and I can tell you that um, at least from the issue of uh, feeling a little less rigidity, um, feeling a little bit more uh, balanced or a little bit uh, lighter, that um, I've had a few people who um, have told me, and obviously I, I, I don't know who they are, and, and uh, you know, except for getting an email, but basically they say I've had Parkinson's for X amount of years and I've been taking medications the entire time, but I started doing some of these exercises and I feel pretty good compared to how I was feeling. I feel a little bit lighter or I feel less pain or I feel that my balance is better. So <coughs> based upon that, I I'm at least can tell you that a few people have, have expressed that they have gotten some symptom relief um, even though they are taking um, medications. So that I guess that's my long answer to the short question. And, you know, as, as people are, are healing, you know, you, you just don't know. Maybe, maybe the doing the exercises, um, especially the ones for the liver that help cleanse the liver, <clears throat> maybe there's the potential that by tonifying and cleansing the liver that the medications might work better. I don't know um, if they're working better or more powerful because the liver is being cleansed, then maybe the dosages could be reduced. I don't know. I mean, I don't know those answers. Um, those would be individual things that people would have to uh, discuss with their doctors, but um, I, I would have a hard time seeing you know, harm in doing some exercises and chanting, but every individual is different, and the disease affects everybody differently. And so um, I would highly recommend that um, before anybody just jump in with both feet that they, they have a conversation with their doctor about it. I think that that's a, a really important thing because um, the doctor is a, a critical piece of the formula. What is the address of your blog? It's kind of a long one. So it is fightingparkinsonsdrugfree.blogspot.com. And the fighting Parkinson's drug free is just, you know, straight across, no apostrophe, um, just fighting Parkinson's drug free dot blogspot dot com. So citing is spelled S I T I N G. Excuse me, I the the www dot and then spell citing. Oh, excuse me, fighting F F I O F F fighting. Yeah, fighting. I fighting. I heard citing. Fighting Parkinson's. Fighting Parkinson's Drug Free dot blog spot dot com dot com, and then how do people get in touch with you if they'd like to follow up and I ask questions? Oh sure, uh, my my email is uh, h s as in Sam h i f as in Frank k e at gmail.com 
And on the uh, blog, if they uh, go to the blog, there's a little thing on the right-hand side that says, View My Complete Profile. And um, under my picture, there's a thing that says Contact Email. And if you click on that, um, it will bring up the email address as well. We have just a minute left, Howard, and some of the people listening are just diagnosed with Parkinson's or think that they probably are going to get a diagnosis. What do you want to say to them right now? Don't view it as a death sentence. There, there are other ways to approach the disease than the conventional methods, and don't give up hope, don't give up faith, and don't be afraid to share it with at least one other person with whom you are close, because I do not believe it is a disease that you should or can fight by yourself. However, I sincerely believe it is a disease that you can fight and you can win. You have the power to heal yourself. Howard Shiftgate, thank you so much for being a guest on the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show today. Robert, it has been a great pleasure and a great honor to be here. Um, I've read many articles you've written and been to your websites, and um, all of us are appreciative of the work that you do. And I, I am very happy to have had the opportunity to share my story today. Many people will be truly inspired, Howard, by your experience. Thank you. I have an exciting update for everyone. It's my understanding that Howard Chifke has decided to provide coaching services to individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's. Everyone needs support, and what better support to get than from a coach who himself has experienced all the symptoms of Parkinson's and who has been able to figure out ways to actually heal all of those symptoms and fully recover. Contact Howard if you are interested in being able to get that type of support through ongoing coaching. You can't do better than being able to work with Howard Chifke in my book. And also, be sure to check out the second edition of my, my book, Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease, which you can get information about by visiting www.parkinsonsdisease.me. And that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you are listening to this radio show that you are indeed on the road to recovery. Have a magnificent week. Good day.